Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. church when we come to the sermon portion of our worship service that we work through a book of the Bible or a section of a book and we just kind of work through it passage by passage. And this fall we've been doing that with Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And today we're in the verses that are printed in your bulletin on page 7 which is Matthew chapter 5 verses 33 through 37 or you can turn there in your Bible. And the subject Jesus brought up here is that of integrity. So let me read this passage for us, and then I'll pray for us, and then I'll lead us through this passage. Listen to God's holy word. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Jesus said, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil." The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever and ever. Let's go before him in prayer. Father, we pray that you would come and be with us by your spirit this morning as we look to your word. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would be pleasing to you. as we look to You in faith, as You reveal to us Your Son, Jesus, in whose name we do pray. Amen. So on the surface, I think this this passage may not seem like a big deal. Um, It may even seem a little weird or strange, you know, all this talk about swearing and oaths and making promises by things like Jerusalem or the hairs of your head. But what Jesus is calling his followers to is to an absolute integrity of life and word in their whole lives that makes them completely trustworthy. Now, is that a big deal? Um, Personally, I, I think this is at the heart of our culture's existential crisis of the moment, right? Um, we, we don't know who to trust, right? We, or if we can trust anyone, we, we become so cynical, right? We don't know who's telling us the truth, or, or we don't know who's spinning the truth in order to push some kind of agenda. We, we've come to expect manipulation. We've come to expect people to not keep their promises and not keep their word, um, to not be who they say they are, to not do what they say they will do. Um, And if none of that sounds familiar to you, um, please go home and turn on any news channel uh, this afternoon and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. We don't know who we can trust, if we can trust anyone. 
And what's interesting to me about this cultural moment, though, is that on the one hand, I think we become deeply suspicious and cynical, but on the other hand, maybe more than ever, we feel ourselves so very deeply craving authenticity. For someone to be real with us, for someone to be true to us, for someone who's trustworthy, someone who keeps the word, who, their word, who is what they say they are. And Jesus is calling his followers to be those kinds of people. Right, for us to be a people of integrity in the whole of our lives and speech, a people that can be trusted and found trustworthy no matter what in a world where we don't know who to trust. Um, and it, by the way, if that doesn't pique your interest this morning, um, I, I will say this. I went, took my son to the LSU-Mississippi State game to visit my uh, daughter yesterday, and on the way into the stadium, I gave Tim Tebow a high five, and I just felt power come into me. So brace yourselves. Um, that's all I'm saying. Um, here, here's the, uh, the roadmap for us this morning. Three things. The first thing I want us to talk about is the visibility of our lives and words. And then second, I want us to talk about the fractured impact of our lives and words. And then finally, I want us to talk about how our lives and words can in fact be healed. So the visibility, the fractured impact, and the healing of our lives and words. So just a little bit more of a map. The first point I think is gonna be pretty straightforward once you get a little context. Second point's a little long in its application, but take heart, the last point is very brief. So um, just remember that. Um, First, the visibility of our lives and words. Um, Granted, all this talk about swearing and taking O's feels a little foreign to our ears, right? But in an oral culture um, such as this, where you made oral and public promises um, to do certain things, right? Or, or, or made oral public claims to truth, that's how you called for your words to be observed and witnessed, to be a matter of record, right? Much like in our written culture, we go about signing contracts, right? Right, And we're attesting to um, the truth of a claim or we're committing ourselves to be or do certain things and, and we're making it a matter of record that is witnessable, that is visible and observable. And the religious teachers of Jesus's day, what they had done, this is the context that'll help you understand what he's talking about here, is they had developed a system of making promises and, and claims to truth. It, it, it was an elaborate system and one that allowed for, we'll just say, some wiggle room. And it worked like this. The seriousness of the promise or the truth claim depended on how close it was to the name of the Lord and therefore was seen to be observable and witnessed by the Lord. So you see Jesus quoting the religious teachers in verse 20, or 33. If you swear to the Lord, you have to keep that promise, basically. Okay, fine. But then in verses 34 through 35, Jesus went after their practice, which said, basically, if you swore by something else, you know, this is verses 34 and 35, if you swore by heaven or by Jerusalem or the hairs on your head, Well, that wasn't as serious. 
right? You, you don't really have to keep your promise. You can go back on your word, right? You don't have to be entirely truthful. You know, this isn't the only time Jesus dealt with this because this was a serious issue. It comes up again in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus there said, Woe to you blind guides who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple that has made the gold sacred? It, or, or, or the, or, I'm sorry, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, If anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's bound by his oath. And Jesus actually goes on, right? Um, it, it was an elaborate system. And it was a way of gaining trust. When in truth, you are unreliable at best, or maybe even deceptive at worst. It, it was a way to not mean what you say. And to not say what you really mean. Saying you'll be or do one thing, but then by your life, being and doing something else. And so Jesus attacks their whole argument. And he said, absolutely not. Your words and your promises and your life should be absolutely undivided and trustworthy. And so he said to them, I say to you, do not take an oath at all, verse 34. Now listen, he wasn't saying don't make or keep promises. He's nuanced in this, like he so often is. I mean, Jesus himself was silent in his trial until he was put under oath. And at that time, he spoke boldly of his claim to be king. Promises and oaths are important. We'll come to that, back to that later. What he was attacking was this ridiculous idea of treating promises and truth as if sometimes they mattered and sometimes they didn't. He's saying your words and your life always matters. So Jesus said, let what you say be simply yes or no. It matters, your words, your life. And here's why they matter. Because Jesus was saying, every word you speak and everything you do is witnessed and observed by God, whether you bring his name into it or not. You swear by heaven, Jesus says, great. That's God's throne. You swear by the earth, awesome. That's his footstool. By Jerusalem, that's his city. By the hair on your head, oh, by the way, that belongs to him. And he makes it black or white. Or whether you have any or not, right? Every word you speak and your life that's meant to match those words is seen, is observed, and is witnessed by God. So let's end this first point on uh, the fact of the visibility of our lives and words with just a, a brief thought experiment. Let's imagine I had at my disposal a camera crew, and I told you Next week, this camera crew is going to go with you everywhere you go and be a part of every conversation that you have and observe the tone of your words even. Just record everything. And since we have a projector here in the church, next Sunday we'll all gather and we'll watch what happened. The question is this. Would next week be different for you? 
Right? Would you approach next week differently? Maybe start thinking about, I'm going to have to speak and live a little bit more carefully this week. Would you be mindful of what you said to your coworkers about your business competitors? Or, or, or how you spoke to your spouse or to your kids? Would you be different? Of course you would. If you say you wouldn't, you're a liar and we got another conversation. We all would. And, and, and you know what that says without me saying anything else? It says you and I are not people of integrity in speech and in life. But here's the deal. I, I don't have a camera crew at my disposal. I'm not going to follow you around next week. But next week... I can promise you this, every word you speak and everything you do will be observed and witnessed by the one whose eyes, John says in Revelation, are a searching flame of fire. The one who is the truth himself, Jesus. Every word is visible. Every action visible. All right, so second, if we do indeed lack integrity. Let's talk about its impact in, in, in this point that I'm calling the fractured impact of our lives and words. And I, I want to start by telling you a little story um, that I heard years ago. Unfortunately, I, as is usual for me, I forgot to write down the source and the names, uh, but I, I wrote down everything else. Um, but um, a particular journalist was granted permission to interview a man who was um, in prison. And the circumstances that led to this man's imprisonment were that one evening he was driving home and he struck and killed a young child that stepped out into the road. And when he realized what had happened, he fled the scene, a hit and run, right? And it took a few weeks for the police to catch up to him, but they finally did. And when they did, he tried as best as he could to lie, lie his way out of it. Eventually, though, he was convicted and sent to prison. And so this journalist came asking why he lied. You know, why he fled. Why, when approached by the police, he didn't tell the truth? And his answer was so interesting. He said, I did it because when I was a little boy, I stole my dad's watch off his dresser and broke it and put it back. And needing some more dots to be connected, um, the journalist pressed him for more of an answer. And so he said, when, I, when he had taken the watch and broke it and put it back, his dad had gathered the entire family and questioned the entire family about it. And he lied in order to keep from getting caught. And he didn't get caught. And he said, it made it easier and easier and easier throughout his life to keep on lying to get out of truth, or to get out of trouble, excuse me, to twist the truth, right? 
to twist the truth to his advantage, to spin the truth, to tell half-truths in order to serve his purposes. And his, his reflection was really, really insightful, wasn't it? I mean, he was saying it was all the little lies, right? The little half-truths all throughout my life that marked me, that put me on a path and paved the way for the, this big deception, right? A lie about a broken watch, he was saying, put me on a trajectory that led me to lying about killing a child. You know, the interviewer, of course, she, she wanted to know how human community could be so fractured and broken that we cannot trust people to tell the truth when it matters. And at the same time, this man in prison was confessing that his lack of integrity throughout his life had broken and fractured his humanity and turned him into something awful. And so I want us to talk about the fractured impact of our lives and words from these two perspectives. It's fractured impact on human community, and it's fractured impact on our very selves and our humanity. So first, what it says, the impact on our human community. You know, when we don't speak truthfully to one another... When we don't keep our word, that, that fracture and its fissures spreads throughout all our relationships and community to create distrust. What happens when you say one thing to one group of friends in your life, but then you say other things to other groups of friends in your life? And you aren't the same person with everyone. Right? You are sowing seeds of distrust that fracture relationships and makes them impossible. Because no one really knows who you are. And you're keeping people from knowing you. What happens when you make a commitment to give generously to the work of God's kingdom, but then, you know, stuff comes up? Stuff comes up and we wanted to go here and we wanted to do this or we wanted to do that, so I guess we can't keep that commitment. Do you think that only affects you? It affects the entire community. It affects people who need Jesus you haven't even met yet because those resources were intended to reach them. What happens to community when you're duplicitous? and your gossip about someone, and you sow division right into the heart of a community, damaging reputations and creating suspicion and distrust. Right, what happens when you commit to do something for your employees, to reward them in a certain way, to give them some time off, to, um, to share in the success of your business, and then you fail to deliver on that commitment? Just watch how those cracks spread throughout your entire organization. What happens when your children witness you saying one thing, but then doing another thing? Those fractures will spread out into the future for years upon years upon years because it won't just affect your relationship with your child. It will shape their relationship with everyone in their future. 
Right? What happens when your spouse can't count on you to be in it with them? Through sickness and in health, in joy and in sorrow, in plenty and in want, no matter what. What kind of fractures show up in that relationship when someone gets dropped at their point of need? You know, what, sh- the, it, it, what shows up is widening resentment and distrust for years upon years. What about society as a whole? You know, Thomas Carlyle wrote about the failure of the French Revolution, um, and in concluding his three volumes on that, um, he ended up saying that it, its failure wasn't the result of any single grievous error by someone, some one person in power. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, it failed because ordinary people in ordinary places stopped keeping their promises in their minor posts of ordinary responsibility. Broken promises and their fractures spread throughout the entire community. One other thing I was thinking about before we move on, which might sound a little silly at first, um, but, you know, why do we wait until the last possible minute to make a commitment to be somewhere or to participate in something? Why does that Evite sit in our inboxes for weeks upon weeks with no response? Because we want to keep our options open. I mean, something better might come along that we really would rather do. And we don't want to be stuck and we don't want to be constrained, and we don't want to be bound by our commitments. See, we live in a culture that says, don't you dare get stuck or bound to something or someone because then you won't be free. And if you think we can live in a culture like that without being affected by it, down to the very smallest of things like evites in your inbox, you're so naive. it's like you saying you can swim in water without getting wet. Right? The impact of our lack of integrity destroys human community. All right, what about the fractured impact of our lives and words on our very selves, on our humanity? And, And take a breath, right? Remember the next point is brief. We're almost done with this one. Uh, Lewis Smedes um, is a theologian and an ethicist, and um, he wrote a great article years ago, about 40 years ago, on the power of promising. And in it, he quoted, I'm probably going to butcher her name, Hannah Arendt, something like that, who said this. Try to listen close. I know it's hard to listen to quotes, but it's not that long. Without being bound to the fulfillment of our promises, we would never be able to keep our identities. We would be condemned to wander helplessly and without direction in the darkness of each person's lonely heart, caught in its contradictions and equivocalities. See, when we aren't people of truth and we don't keep our word, and we aren't who we say we are, and when we don't keep our promises, we are on the road to the loss of our very identities. No longer free. Because I can promise you this, you are going to be pushed and pulled by every conflicting desire of your heart and moment. 
every whim and emotional mood that you have, unable to ever be the same person tomorrow as you are today. Lewis Smees provided a great little illustration about losing our identities through, the lack, through a lack of integrity, and he provided this illustration from the life of Thomas More. Moore was about to be executed, and his daughter Meg came to him, begging him to renounce his oath and to save his life before the king. All he had to do to save his skin was to go back on his oath. And this is what he told his daughter. When a man takes an oath, Meg, he is holding his own self in his hand like water. And if he opens his fingers, then he needn't hope to find himself ever again. You know, the man sitting in prison for a hit and run and killing a child, he was saying something very similar. He was saying, I lost myself long before I ever made a decision to lie about that event. Have you ever wondered why someone who breaks their marriage commitment and is unfaithful suddenly seems to just like punt all their beliefs and all their values? Which, by the way, is what led Jesus to this section. He had just been talking about people breaking off their marriage commitments. Right? Handing out certificates of divorce. And you know, sometimes when we see that happening, we see somebody, they're unfaithful and that they punt on everything in life. And we look at that and we say, oh, that's a midlife crisis or something. Or use some kind of language like that. No, it's the loss of identity. Suddenly wandering helplessly, and without direction in the darkness of his or her lonely heart, caught in all its contradictions. Our lack of integrity in life and word fractures not only human community, but our very selves at our core. So last, maybe we're all a little depressed right now, um, and so we need to know how our lives and our words can be healed. Psalm 15 um, It's a pretty familiar psalm. You may recognize some of these words. It actually begins, the psalm begins by asking this question. O Lord, who shall dwell in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? And then the psalmist answers that question um, by describing that person in several ways. And, And one of the ways he describes that person is he says this. You know, who shall dwell on your holy hill, he asks. And he answers this way. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. What he says, he does. No matter what. Even if it costs him and hurts him. You know, as soon as sin entered into the world and the first man and the first woman went into hiding afraid you know what happened 
God came, and He came with a promise. A promise that He would send someone into the world to crush the head of the serpent and defeat sin and death. But it would cost this Savior of mankind. It would hurt Him. His heel would be bruised. You know, the Bible isn't against promises. The entire thing is about a promise made and kept. The whole of Jesus' life was toward the fulfillment of that promise. The keeping of that promise hurt him. It cost him. Because in order to not break his promise to deliver us, he had to be broken on the cross in our place. And he was. And that's the best news anyone could tell you today. That we didn't keep our word. But Jesus did. And if you can trust no one, you can trust Him with everything. And you know, there is tremendous transforming power in understanding this. That Christianity doesn't depend on your promises to God but on a promise God made and kept to you to be broken in your place so that people like us who have lacked integrity need never fear condemnation, but know that we are completely loved. Do you know why we lie? Right? Why we speak in half-truths and we don't make or, or, or we fail to keep our commitments? It's because we're afraid. Because we're just like that first man and that first woman who afraid went into hiding. And we're afraid of what people will think of us or we're afraid that we'll be exposed and ashamed and we don't know if we can bear it and we're afraid that if we're bound and constrained to this or that commitment, we won't be fulfilled in life. But let me ask you, what happens when through the lens of the cross you realize that the only eyes that matter are going to see everything you say and do this week. But those eyes are not burning in condemnation for you, but in eternal love and delight of you. And that will change you to realize that. And that will make you want to be a person of integrity to please the one who loves you so completely and so perfectly. Because the deeper that gets worked into your heart, more and more what it does is it dismantles your fears. And it heals you at your very core, setting you free to more and more become a person of community. And you know what? When that begins to happen, human community is renewed. And to paraphrase Lewis Smead's, a small sanctuary of trust will be created when the, within the ferocious jungle of unpredictability, which is this broken world. Their deep, meaningful relationships can be formed and flourish. And your own humanity is renewed. And you're able to rise above your circumstances and feelings and conflicted desires, and you're able to keep your word and to live into your solid identity as a child of God. You know, in becoming this, in becoming this, 
we end up becoming the salt and light. The city on a hill that Jesus called us to be earlier in the sermon. Last thing, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about this passage. He wrote this, Complete truthfulness is only possible where sin has been uncovered and forgiven by Jesus. Only those who are in a state of truthfulness through the confession of their sin to Jesus are not ashamed to tell the truth wherever it must be told. He's saying you'll find freedom to be a person of integrity in your life and words when you get honest about your dishonesty and you run to Jesus who ascended the holy hill of Calvary and embraced to the cost and embrace to the cost of His promise to cover us with His blood. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You that we can be together this morning to worship, and as is always the case, um, we cling to Your promise that Your Word does not return to You void, but it accomplishes the purposes for which You set it forth. And very often that means convicting us of our sin and today convicting us of our lack of integrity. But You do not leave us in our shame and in our brokenness, but You, our God, kept, made and kept Your promise to come and deliver us through Your only begotten Son. And for this we praise You and we pray that this truth would get deeper and deeper into our hearts and that we would indeed be transformed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-9999. Again, thank you for listening.